Thank you for joining us for this message. Whether you are watching for the first time or are simply catching up on a message you miss, we are so glad you are connecting to God's Word today. Our hope is that as you listen to the message, you will experience a real encounter with God. Please consider giving financially to support God's work through our ministry. You will find several options to do that by clicking on the word give in the menu on our website at kentwoodcommunitychurch.com. May you be inspired by the word today. I'm gonna ask if you will to stand. We are in Joshua chapter six. That's a shocker with all the theme today. We are going to read the first seven verses. You will follow with Kelly. I will read the first, and we will go back and forth. Hear the word of the Lord. Joshua chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut up because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. Verse 2. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its kings, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Verse 4. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times, with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one loud blast on the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can, then the walls of the town will collapse and the people came charged straight into the town. Verse 6. So Joshua called together the priests and said, Take up the ark of the Lord's covenant and assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. Then he gave the orders to the people, march around the town, and, uh, and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark of the Lord. Let's pray. I'm asking today, Lord, that the words of my mouth, meditations of our hearts, will be pleasing in your sight. And as the prophet Samuel prayed long ago, we pray now, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. And all God's people said, amen. You can have a seat. Well, today we are continuing a series called Faith Walking. Faith Walking. We have looked at Noah. Noah was one who built a boat when there never had been rain. That's faith. Last week we looked at Abraham. A man who was beyond his prime and God had the audacity to say to him, a nation will come from you. And, and Abraham walked by faith. Today we're going to continue. You obviously know the character. His name is Joshua. And we're going to learn something from him. But let me back up and give you again what scripture declares to us. What is faith? Go to scripture, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance of what we have not yet seen. Let me say that again. Faith is the confidence of what we hope for. Anybody hoping for something today? And the assurance for what we have not yet seen. You see, there's several elements with faith that we must understand this morning. The first is simply this. It is called trust. My question to you is do you trust God? I mean, do you trust him? You know what it is. You're experiencing. You know your, what your life is going through right now. It may be easy to talk about trust in a worship experience with the word of God opened up. But I'm asking you this morning, do you trust him? Hebrews 11:6 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please the Lord. 
In other words, what we need to understand, without faith, you cannot have relationship. Without faith, you truly cannot have deliverance. Now, let me clearly tell you what I'm saying to us today is that we will never tell you to park your mind. We believe that the scriptures are one of the most historically accurate document ever put on this earth. We believe that you can love the Lord with all your mind, but we also know that we're spirit beings and there's something that the spirit does, God's spirit to our spirit, that is activated by this thing called faith. I've said it before and I'll say it again. If you're on a journey towards God, the Bible is never meant to answer all of life's questions. Never been, that's not its purpose. And actually, I believe it's Deuteronomy 20, 20 says, there are certain things that just belong to the Lord. Scripture's very clear what the purpose of the Bible is, is to show us that God has a desire to initiate with each and every one of us in the situation in which we find ourselves, not in our past, not in our future, but in our very moment we live. Can I get an amen? So it's my responsibility as your pastor to encourage you to move ahead in your faith walk with God. So we'll look at this guy named Joshua. He had an amazing story, did he not? As we've been um, previewing throughout our service today. But let me remind you that he was side by side and he had a front row view of a man named Moses. In other words, his faith did not just come out of a vacuum. He saw the greatest leader, scripture said, the greatest leader of all time, Moses. He watched Moses as Moses fled Egypt after he killed somebody and then after many, many years, God delivered him and enabled him to have a family and he was in a new tribe. He had everything that he needed. He could live happily ever after. But then there's a burning, burning bush. And in that experience, God tells him to go back. And by faith, Moses returns to Egypt, not knowing what the outcome would be. By faith, he moves. Joshua watches all of this. He encounters the most powerful man in that day called Pharaoh. They have a power encounter. Is Pharaoh's God truly God? Or is Moses' God truly God? We read the stories and we know at the end of the day that God delivers them. And as they leave Egypt, we hear and see and we understand that the, the army of Pharaoh was breathing down Moses and the Israelites as they were departing. And there they were in front of the Red Sea. And by faith yet again, he calls it out and the Red Sea splits and the nation of Israel marches through on dry ground. Joshua sees all of this. He has this encounter at Mount Sinai where the glory of God falls on Moses in such a way that Moses has what is called the Shekinah glory, where God's presence was so upon him that people had never seen before. He also watched him lead a grumbling people, a people that said over and over again, eh, can we go back to Egypt where it's warm and secure? Sound like the church today? And then God said, Moses, you've done all that I want you to do. You will not lead them into the promised land. Your, your young protege, Joshua, it's his time. How many of you would like to be Joshua and follow that? How many would like that role to follow the greatest leader of all time? And not only that, you have this incredible obstacle that you must face. You're, you're to lead the nation into the promised land, but you've got this huge, huge, huge issue before that occurs. It's called the town of Jericho. And you've got to go through them in order to get to the promised land. And he's a young leader, and he's trying to figure it all out. You see, it's by faith that we see Joshua doing this. You see, faith is not just trust. But I believe another thing that is screaming at us today, if we're really honest, and that is this. 
fear. Fear is the one that keeps us from having a faith journey. Fear screams at us. And I would say to some of you who hear my voice today, you are being gripped and you are in bondage to fear. And I make a declaration today, today is your day. Today is your day that you no longer have to be in bondage and you have to be in captive to this thing called fear, which immobilizes you, which destroys this thing called hope. And it, and it, and it consumes you with this thing called anxiety. You don't have to have that. You are a child of the king. You are a child of the one who's already won. And there's not one of us that's tempted, that's not tempted by this thing called fear. Every single one of us is tempted by it and affected in one way or the other. But the scriptures declare to us that God is not the giver of fear. He's the giver of courage. He's the giver of courage and he's not a discriminator of this gift called courage. It's not for the elect few. It's not just for the, the super spiritual. It's for all who call on the name of Christ. He says, I'm giving you a spirit of courage. Anybody want that this morning? Let me ask it again. Does anybody desire a spirit of courage this morning directly from our God? Anybody else? Fear creates this thing called survival mentality. I would say to you today that our church in America has quickly in the last three years fallen into this survival mentality. And when you go into survival mentality, you get off mission. You start to eat each other up. You start to only think about yourself, and we miss the goal of what God has called us to do. I today wanna to take a few minutes. We've got a special service that I believe that God wants for us. I stood up here and said the word is freedom, and some of you are gonna experience that today. Some of you are gonna experience deliverance today. Some of you are gonna experience for the very first time what it means to be truly experience the power of the Holy Spirit to descend upon you. He lives in you if you have faith, but he wants to give you an experience of what it means to truly be filled and controlled by him from your head to your toe. This is your day. You see, Joshua's courage took three aspects, and I wanna share those quickly with you. The first is this, Joshua had a faith walk because he had courage to call it out. He had courage to call it out. Somebody say, declare it. And again, say it as though you believe it. Somebody say, declare it. Declare it. Now, why don't we declare it? You ever heard God say something to you? Sensed it in your spirit and you kept it to yourself? You didn't want to declare it because maybe that you were wrong. You didn't want to declare it so as if you did declare it and you tried it, you may fail. And if you may fail, then what are people going to think about you? And that's why we don't declare it. But Joshua did exactly that. I could say to you from my own personal experience that each and every season of my life, it didn't always make sense, but I declared it every time, and it was the first step to continuing on this thing called faith walking. I am standing here today because I declared it. Wake, well, I was awakened in the middle of the night by spiritually, for those of you newer to the church, uh, by a word, Kentwood. Uh, I was awakened a second time by the word, Kentwood. I could have kept it to myself. I could have said it was indigestion, but I called it out. Whether you like it or not, here I stand as a result. I remember when we planted the church 
In Detroit, it was the same thing. I was pastoring a church of a, a large church in the suburbs, and God called, him, called me out and said, as I was trying to find a church planner, because I said to God, I'd already planted churches. I lived overseas. I raised a sport. It's time for me to be the one who coaches, who, the one who gives the money, the one who cheers on. I, I mean, I'm in that season of life. Am I not, God? And as I prayed, God said, do you have 20 seconds of courage left? Because I want you to go to Detroit. Wait a minute, God. Now, now I could have kept that to myself. And I started rationalizing and saying, wait a minute, God, I have three kids in college. I, I, church planners aren't guaranteed any salary. I have a responsibility. This is illogical. Anybody been there, done that? And yet God told me and I obeyed, but I had to first call it out. What is he calling you to call out today? Now, I want to say this on a side note. It has nothing to do with today's sermon, but since I brought it up, you may or may not know, if you are newer to the church, as I've said, I planted a church in Detroit, and that's where I came from about six years ago, and we hired a guy named Pastor Santis who replaced me there, and it's now a sister church of KCC, and um, those of you who were at our hallelujah session, you heard the details of that, but the rest of you weren't there. Let me update you and tell you that today is Pastor Santis's last day at Mosaic. As he resigns and moves back to Greensboro, that became a dilemma for the church. So I'm saying this to you so that you would pray for a church that is near and dear to obviously my heart and a city that my wife and I love with everything we have. Now, what you also need to know is that as they're in this moment as a young church, the district asked KCC, what can you do? Would you be willing to come alongside? And the elders board and myself, we agreed that we would be willing to take a mosaic under as a temporary campus of KCC starting tomorrow. Not financially responsible, but responsible for the leadership, responsible for the vision and the mission to move them forward in their call towards the city of Detroit. So I'm asking you to, if you would, that you would pray with me and for me. Tomorrow I will get in a car to start to drive over for a full day of a bunch of people that are a little insecure, as you could imagine, trying to figure out what the next steps are. We are committed to not allow another church fall. We're, there are a dime a dozen in America. We are in a crisis. I don't, I don't want to beat a dead, dead uh, what's the expression? You get what I mean. Yeah, I knew it was one of those, but if I had said the wrong one, there would have been another mechanism, so I stopped before I did it. So Brant, you can't count that one. But it is truly a dime a dozen, isn't it? We need a revival. And we've got something special going on here at this church and we are not gonna be survival mentality, we are gonna be a church on mission and we are gonna come alongside churches and we're gonna see the Great Commission accomplished wherever that is. Can I get an amen? So Joshua had the courage to call it out and to call these people to do the impossible, to pray, their weapon was their praise and to march around these impenetrable walls once a day for six days, that took faith. And what you need to understand is that as he called it out, Joshua didn't have the benefit of you and I to look hindsight. He didn't know what was going to happen. I, I lived, as I've said before, I lived in the Middle East in a city called Baku, who had a, has an old city just like Jerusalem, and we had these walls that were actually, that still exist today. So I understand what they were ex experiencing when they talk about walls that actually surrounded the city of Jericho. And they, the obstacles were huge and impossible. 
But Joshua called it out. I wonder this morning how many here you're ready to call out those walls in your life. You've got the word called cancer or sickness that is now screaming at you. And I'm here to declare to you today, you call that out in the name of Jesus. Some of you are dealing with emotional baggage and struggles and pain that you did not ask for. And it, you carry it around with you every single day. As a matter of fact, as you walked into this church today, it woke up with you. When you got out of your bed, there it was. And you're so tired of that emotional damage and that emotional pain that today you want it to be your day that enough is enough. Are you ready to call out that wall? Maybe it's your marriage, you've hit it. You're just barely hanging on and nobody knows and maybe even your spouse doesn't but you know what's going on inside of your heart and I'm here today to tell you it's time to declare it. Maybe it's some relationship, maybe it's a financial issue that is screaming at you, maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's just the sense of coldness. Your prayers don't seem to go anywhere and you feel like God is distant and aloof and you don't know how to articulate it and, and yet you're supposed to be this incredible follower of Jesus and you're trying to figure it all out. I say to you today, God knows and God understands. It's time to call out your wall. Are you willing to do that today? We need people like Joshua who have the courage to say enough is enough. Today is my day. The key point is simply this. Claim your destiny by faith. I assure you that victory and deliverance is on the horizon. I give you that, not because of me, but because of the victory of the cross of Jesus Christ that he has conquered and he is the victor and if you are his child, you will win. Does anybody believe that this morning? Let me give you the second thing that I believed enabled Joshua to have the, the faith walk and the courage, not just the courage to call it out, but courage to do the unusual. <laughs> the courage to do the unusual. Somebody repeat after me, say, let's do it. Let's do it. One more time, let's do it. Let's do it. And if you look at verse 10 there in chapter six of Joshua, he didn't call him to do it the, the typical way. Send your best military out there. Scan the, the area. Try to pick off a few of the archers yourself. Try to figure out the weak area, the area in the wall that you could penetrate. No, what are they doing? I want you to march around and I want you to praise me. I want you to send the worship leaders. Come on, worship leaders. I want you to send you out front and I want you just to lift up the name of Jesus once a day. And what do we know? Why was that unusual even possible? It said there, we read it, right? God was already up to something, wasn't he? What did verses one and two just say? He already created inside of them a fear of the Israelites. He was already doing something, what we call in theological terms, prevenient grace. He was already moving in the Old Testament. He was preparing the way so that the Israelites truly could have an opportunity to be victorious. But to them, they didn't know. This made no sense whatsoever. Why was God doing this? Why would he do it this way? Why would he tell Gideon to bring his army down to 300? Why would he call people like David when Samuel's trying to find the next king and, and the, the heir apparents were right before him as his qualified brothers and David the little boy out into the, in the field watching the sheep 
Or why would Jesus call the unusual, the, the, the fishermen, and not the educated and the leaders and the people of influence? Why is God always about the unusual? He knows at the end of the day that when the miracle, the impossible actually happens, that's a miracle. When the impossible happens, it is a miracle. Some of you who can hear my voice, I know that I know that I know. I felt it in my prayer closet as I've come here today. You need a miracle. And I serve a God that says I can give it to you. But he's gonna do it in unusual ways. He's not gonna do it the way you tell him to do it. I can tell you right now, he won't do it in your timetable. But it doesn't mean he will not do it. Because at the end of the day, when it's less of me and more of him, what occurs in the unusual is that God's glory is displayed. How many of you are tired of superstar Christianity? How many of you want it to be less about us and more about him? How many are ready to see a church that truly is the church and as a result they see a corporate body that truly is living out that which is impossible? The world is waiting for the unusual, is it not? The world is waiting for those of us who can love the unlovable. Love those who disagree with us. I don't see that in the church today. To serve those in such a way that I get nothing back in return. To be able to allow my private life to match my public life. We're looking for that. I've said this before and I'll say it again. In the early church, you can verify, you can research it. How did the early church change the world? They did not have political clout. They didn't have money, they didn't have buildings, they didn't have seminaries, they didn't even have trained pastors, but they changed the entire powerful Roman world and the Greek world. How did they do it? Five things, catch this my friends, fact. Number one, they were multiracial, unheard of in that day and age. And they truly had unity among people of all races coming to Jesus. That put the world like, what is this? Number two, they had true community. They truly had the capacity and the ability to love and forgive and reconcile with one another. You wanna win the world for Jesus, folks? Start truly caring for each other and forgiving each other and be gracious to one another. That will change the world. Jesus said they will know us by our why. They will know us by our what? By our love. The early church did it because they, God brought them together of many races. And here we are as a church of the nations. Isn't it cool to know that we're kind of connecting with the early church, even though they may not be politically correct? They also were hospitable, number three, unusual in that day to the suffering and to the poor. Nobody cared about the suffering and the poor. And it, they took notice Number four, infanticide was the norm. Children were property, not people. And when they were not wanted, they were literally, you read it historically, thrown onto the trash piles. They were along the side of the road. They didn't have abortion as we know it today, but infanticide was the norm. And the early church stood up and started grabbing those children and caring for those children, and people took notice. And the last thing in the Roman Greco world that was totally strange is that they lived countercultural sexually. 
This was a new phenomenon that sex was between a man and woman in the confines of a lifelong relationship called marriage, unheard of. Those five things, facts, unusual, changed the world. Here, fast forward, 2022. I'm thinking, oh Lord, maybe we should do the same thing. What do you think? Even if it's not popular, even if it offends people. I'm not out to offend anybody, just so you know. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm not the judge. I'm just a fellow sojourner trying to follow Jesus and being true to scripture and loving everybody, even if they don't like me. Is that okay? Are you willing to do whatever it takes for his glory? Are you willing to do the unusual? Because God may call you to that. Your responsibility is to take the step and let him do the rest. Joshua and his team obeyed for six days. That was long enough for them to have a little fear, was it not? I would have been a little fear. I feared that an archer would just kind of be tempted, don't you think? As I'm praising Jesus, they were praising God. And yet, the key point is this. Obey God even when it doesn't make sense at times. Do I trust him? And do I have fear? Let me give you the third and final thing about Joshua that enabled the walls to come down. And that was this, courage to be 100% in. Courage to be all in. Somebody say all in. in. Now verse 20 is the key. It's one thing to say, call it out, we're gonna do this. Number two is the second thing to prep. But it's a totally different thing to actually do it. And on the last day, march around that, that, that city so many times and then make your shout and make your declaration. And I, when you do that, those walls will come tumbling down. As the video showed, five feet and its width. You're not gonna take that down with any arrow or any fire. It is only God that's going to break. It's in, it's an impossibility. But in that moment, they were so all in. They stepped out, no return. It's like Peter getting out of the boat, right? We can talk about being water walkers all we want, but until you get out of the boat, will you ever understand it? You have to be all in. You can't do both. You can't kind of do the dance. It's miserable. You're either in or you're not. And as you're in, the reality is it doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean you get it right each step of the way. But what you need to understand is that as a result, victory was theirs because they were all in. And the walls came tumbling down, did they not? And as a result, they marched through, took the city, and marched into the promised land. God's judgment was beginning on the Canaanites through the nation of Israel. That's a whole nother sermon. But nonetheless, we see that it was Joshua, one man willing to have the courage to step up and to lead a people, even if it meant his life. The key point is get out of the boat and obey Jesus. Is that okay? Get out of the boat and obey Jesus. And as a result of this faith walking, we read about this story today, this simple story. But what we know in our lives is that when you tear down one wall and you live long enough, doggone it, another one pops up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And some of you in this multiverse, you got multiple walls. Anybody feel like you got multiple walls in your life? I believe regardless of what you feel and what you sense, I serve a God that is able to do more than any of that. Now here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do a little different this morning. We are gonna have an extended time of responding. Are you gonna have the courage? Are you gonna take freedom? Are you gonna truly trust him? 
Are you gonna walk away from fear? This'll be your moment. And you can walk out of the sanctuary and you can say, I'm done. Or you can allow God to do the miraculous. Brant, will you come and play? Now here's the key, here's what I want you to do. I want you to listen to me. Here's your application. God wants your walls to come down this moment. He wants your walls to come down. Let me speak to sickness. Let me speak biblically to sickness. Some of you are in the midst of sickness right now. And let me give you a quick summary of what God does biblically with sickness. James tells us if you are sick, if somebody is sick in your midst, call the leaders of the church to pray over you and anoint you with oil. You, if you have sin, confess your sin to one another. And then the prayer offered in faith will make you well. What's the scripture telling us about our sickness? Number one, we by faith are to call for healing. Did you hear me? We are to call for healing. God's responsibility is to do the healing. We're to call for it, he's to do it. Can anybody say amen? Secondly, for those of you in this place, you didn't ask for your struggle or your emotional challenges that you're experiencing and the hurt and the pain that you got up with this morning and you just said, I can't carry it anymore. Relations are destroying me. I'm here to make this declaration today. Today is your freedom. He is saying to you, I have set you free. It is for freedom that you have been set free. You are a new creation. The old, whatever happened to you is in the past. Fix your eyes on Jesus and allow him to begin the healing work in your life. What do you mean, pastor? Does that mean that if I come forward all of a sudden, dun, 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 I won't have any more pain? Two responses to that question. Number one, it is possible. That's God's deal. But number two, for the vast majority of you, it will be the starting point of a process of God doing the miraculous in your life. We have many care ministries that will be there to come alongside you regardless. But you need to understand today that you're a new creation and freedom is now possible for you. Those of you who find yourself in a thing called addiction, we typically think of addiction only in the forms of alcohol, sex, and drugs. And although those are, those are major, there are so many of us today that have addictions that go beyond those three. Simply an addiction is a stronghold. And the scripture speaks about them in Ephesians 6. A stronghold is an area of your life that you have not surrendered and therefore you no longer have the authority to stop. You wanna stop, but you can't. Maybe it's lying. Maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's self-righteousness. <laughs> Maybe it's this attitude or that attitude. Maybe it's money. I don't know what it is, but today is your day of freedom. But you're gonna to have to have the courage to go there. Fourth, maybe you're on a journey towards God himself, God himself. And you need to say, I wanna follow you, Jesus. I surrender my life to you right now. Forgive me and come into my life. I need a relationship. Let me go back to the addiction thing. You must first confess that you have a problem. You must denounce it in the name of Jesus. You must fill that area of your life with the Holy Spirit. And you must put on the full armor of God to stand your ground. 
Are you still with me, church? And the last group. This happened in prayer this morning. Well, it's not in my notes. You're like, Pastor, I'm not having a problem with any of those. But if I'm honest, God seems distant and aloof. And I need a fresh wind and a fresh power. My spirit with his spirit. I need the Abba Daddy moment. I just need an Abba Daddy moment. And I thought as I was praying on a Pentecost Sunday in 2022, what a powerful moment to have an Abba Daddy moment. My kids will tell you I can't watch any movie that has a dad moment. I ball every single time and I try to hold it in. Can't even talk about it on the stage and I start crying. I don't know about you, Brandon. And I have those issues because of my own relationship with my dad and I've said that before, but we need a Abba Daddy moment. And you might just wanna experience and have somebody pray with you that you could have that and a fresh wind and a fresh power of the Holy Spirit. So I've laid it out. I believe in every single one of you. Those of you online, you won't, that's the challenge of online and for that I apologize. Whatever your issue, you're gonna have to do it in a chat. But for those of you in the sanctuary, this is your moment. I'm gonna ask you to have the courage as Joshua had the courage to do the unusual, to call it out and to be all in and have the courage to say, start with me. I need it. I want these walls to come tumbling down today. Would you bow your heads with me? I'm gonna ask the team of prayers to come up here and stand while every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I'm gonna pray. Lord Jesus, this is your moment. This is for you, this is not for us. And we are a needy people and we ask that today your power and your spirit will give us exactly the things we need and how we need it. So I pray in Jesus' name that you would grant us the courage and the power to be able to be delivered and free today. I'm grateful that you are a God that is in charge. I pray for those that are online right now. I pray for the one that is feeling like they can't. I pray for the one that is feeling like giving up. I pray right now you would enable and anoint our our hosts to engage them right now. But I also pray for those in this room. I pray, God, that you would do the miraculous in each and every one of their lives right now. That they would hear and experience what it means to be able to experience your freshness and your touch in their lives. You already know what we all, what everybody needs. And so right now I'm asking that you would do the miraculous here. Hear my prayer right now. Holy Spirit, have your way. The last thing I pray, Lord, I pray the covering of the blood of Jesus over this place and that every demonic spirit that would try to harm, distract, and invoke fear would be gone and that there would be freedom here right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Look up this way. There's one thing that the Holy Spirit has said to me over and over again, and that has been this. Give me space to work. And that's what we're doing right now. I'm gonna ask if you would to go ahead and stand with me. Go ahead and stand, church. I've done what I'm supposed to do. 
Now the question is, as, the, as Brant leads us in worship, this is your time. As you worship, what is the Holy Spirit now saying to you? And what do you need? You, we need one another. Here's the problem with community in the early church. We need one another. Are you willing to be vulnerable enough? Are you willing to have courage enough? Are you fed up? Are you desiring to see the walls come tumbling down in your life? I'm asking you as we worship to come forward and to be prayed for. And if every prayer person is taken, then you just stand in the line and wait till the next one is available. Is this okay, church? This is authentically being who we need to be. So right now, from the balcony, do you have the courage? I prayed for you in the balcony that you'd have the courage. That's a long ways to walk. Over in the galleries, that the same, you'd have the courage to actually come and say, I want to see God. And in the main area, I want you to come out of your seats. Come now. We're going to allow the Holy Spirit to descend upon us to have this time of prayer. What is your wall? Come on now. Come on down. And what do you need prayer for? So Brant, lead us. Church, you know what you need to do. Come and respond right now. Let's spend a time with him. Nothing is impossible. 
You heard your children then. You hear your children now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You answered prayers back then. And you will answer now. You are the same God, yeah. You are the same God. You to do. Church, I want us, God has done something deep here, deep in people's lives. I want you to know for those of you who came forward, he heard you. Did you hear me? He heard you and he began something new in your life. Take that in your faith walk. Engage the church as we can come alongside you. You're not to do this by yourself. Did you hear me? We believe God for to do what he needs to do. And so with that being said, what I want us to do, Brian, is I want us to go back to the song that uh, uh, Miracle Worker, uh, Waymaker, yeah, the Waymaker song. And I want us to actually make this our close as our prayer. Can we do that? With unison, let's all in one unison make this our prayer as a church at KCC, and as you've come forward to say, "This is where, this is how we're going to end our service." So, Brant, would you lead us, church? Let's make this your declaration. Come on, you don't need any prompting. Let's make this as our prayer verbally together. Come on, church, let's do this. Make a miracle work, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. See it again, see it again. We make a miracle work, promise keeper, light in the darkness.
voices one more time. We make a miracle work, promise keeper, light in the darkness, find God that is to you. We make a miracle work, promise keep, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Well, church, one last time. On a Pentecost Sunday, can we give it up for the Holy Spirit who is faithful to us? So the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace until we meet again. Amen.